Friend, welcome back to another episode of the So What Podcast, where we will have a conversation about sowing intentionally into our lives so that we may reap abundantly in the days, weeks, months, and even years to come. If there's one thing that Generation X, the millennial generation, and Gen Z have in common, I would say it's this aptitude and enjoyment for online shopping. Think about it. Online shopping, it is a normal part of our lives, so much so that it's integrated into our social media platforms. It is something that we can subscribe to that we don't even really have to think about shopping that much anymore. For us here at my home, we do a lot of online shopping. Prior to pandemic year, we were already doing a lot of our grocery shopping through ClickList and curbside pickup and Amazon. We love online shopping. Now, Andrew loves going grocery shopping. I do not like going grocery shopping whatsoever. However, he's kind of put that aside this year and he has also gotten on the online shopping bandwagon. I was reading an article recently about how online shopping has skyrocketed this year. Like it has gotten far greater, far bigger than any kind of retailer ever expected. Now granted, nobody could have planned or anticipated a pandemic that would kind of speed up the process of people shopping online more. However, it's that There's a lot more boredom, and so individuals have more time to online shop. And not only that, the people, the retailers, they're working extra hard to get your attention in the midst of, quote-unquote, boredom. And one thing that I was reading in this article that I thought was really interesting is that they said that we are a nation consumed with consuming. So... Because we're not going out to restaurants as much or able to have those kind of experiential moments that we would spend money on, we're now consuming more things. So instead of spending our money on food or spending our money on an amusement park, we're spending it on more clothes or random gadgets around the house. Businesses and establishments, at bottom line, they want your money. They literally put almost all of their energy into figuring out how they can get their get your money. So they develop the product and then after they develop the product, their focus is completely you and how to get you to purchase the product. Establishments, businesses, they study your habits, they study your ratings and reviews on products, they study your shopping search history. They know what it is that you purchased in the past and what you purchase on a regular basis. And they even study the things that you save on your Amazon wish list for maybe later. They want your money. They want you to consume their product. They want you to be their customer. And even when we think that we are escaping consumerism by being on social media, There's the influencers on Instagram whose aims are also to get you to buy something, whether that's clothes or skincare or some random tool. A nation consumed with consuming. We are constantly fed this false narrative in our culture that more 
clothes or more electronics or more shoes, a new car, a particular kind of home, that it means that you will have or I will have more happiness and contentment. When in reality, such fixations, I've found, create more dissatisfaction and discontentment, which that dissatisfaction and discontentment then leads to resentment of self and others. What our conversation is going to center on today is materialism. What materialism means, it's the tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. That's how Webster defines it, and I like it quite a bit. And when you hear that second part of it is that you value the material possessions and physical comforts more than spiritual values, when we hear that, I think the majority of us would say, absolutely not. I do not value physical or material possessions and physical comfort more than spiritual values. And I guess I look at myself favorably like that, and you probably look at yourself favorably like that, that there's no way that that's the way I live my life. But if you and I look critically and introspectively into ourselves, we'd probably find the opposite in a few areas of our lives. We'd probably begin to see that there are areas where we value material possessions and physical comfort more than spiritual values or moral values or non-material things. I personally like to define materialism as being possessed by our possessions. Instead of us owning our things, our things own us. Anna, what do you mean our things own us? Well, I want you to think about your most prized or favorite possession or something new that you recently got. Maybe it's a really cute sweater from a boutique or it's a new electronic of some sort or you got a new car. Is that possession something that you'd be willing to give away in an instant? Or is it something that you would hold on to with both hands saying, "Mm, I think I need to hold on to it. Now, again, I'm not talking about just going and giving away your car. But I mean it in the sense of, do your things own you or do you own them? I think about things that I own and that it would be a struggle for me to give up or to give away. In that case, it owns me. I don't own it. Which this is where the businesses, the retailers start to get into our minds that they want us to own their things when in reality, They are owning us because they're getting our business. They're making us believe some way, somehow, through all of their work and advertisement and sponsorships that you need this in order to survive or in order to be successful. Do your possessions own you or do you own them? The person that comes to my mind that is not owned by their possessions and freely gives without hesitation is my pastor. His name is Jason Patterson. He is the most generous person I have ever met in my entire life. And I'm not just saying that because he's my pastor. It's because he was actually first my friend. And now I have the honor of calling him my pastor. And I, he just does this. 
He saw one day that Andrew's Apple Watch was getting pretty slow, and Andrew works out quite a bit, and it doesn't really keep up with his workouts anymore. And Jason had a Apple Watch Series 3 Apple Watch, and Andrew's is a Series 1, and Andrew came to his house to drop off a jump drive kind of thing to record this next Sunday's message. And when Andrew was in the driveway, Jason handed him his Apple Watch, and he said, here, I noticed yours is getting old. I want you to have mine. Like, who does that? Jason Patterson, my pastor. He so freely gives. Nothing owns him. He owns it. And then because he owns it, he's free to give it away. And I want to have that kind of life where I am not possessed by my possessions, where I am not owned by what I own. I want to live a life where I value my spiritual values more than I value material possessions and physical comfort. So why do we always want more? Why do we find ourselves wanting to consume, especially this year of all years? Well, I've found three things I believe is that we believe that having more things will make us happy. That when I have the certain style of clothing or when I have my nails done a certain way or I own certain makeup or certain body care products or I have a certain car, then I will be happy because the people on the ads who drive these cars or wear this makeup, they have a smile on their face. Another reason why we want more is that we believe that we will be more important. In our minds, people who can afford a certain lifestyle, those are quote-unquote important people. And we think, man, if I have those things, then I too will be important. And number three thing that I found is that a lot of times we want more because we think and we believe that it'll make us more secure, that'll make us safer in some kind of way. Like I think about people who are uh, hungry for financial stability, which that is not a bad thing. However, if that's like your pursuit, that is also another form of materialism. And that kind of materialism of if I have more money in the bank, if I have more in retirement, then I will be secure and safe for the rest of my life. There will never be a bad thing coming my way or when a bad day comes, there won't be anything to be concerned about. Now, again, it's okay to be financially secure, but when you're hungry for money, when your focus is cash, when it's a certain number in the bank account, that is a form of materialism. And a lot of people pursue that form of materialism so that they may feel more secure or they may feel safer. And think about people with a lot of things in their home, or maybe it's you, that you might just feel safer with more around you. So why do we want more? Why is materialism so pervasive, not only in culture, but in our own lives? It's because one, we believe that if we have more, that it will make us more happy. Two, that it will make us more important. And three, that it will make us more secure. Rick Warren, he's a New York Times bestselling author, and he's a pastor in California, and he gives the four R's for escaping materialism. Now, these four R's are super basic and 
four things that I love, practical next steps that you and I can carry out to make sure that materialism, being possessed by our possessions, is not a routine part of our lives, that instead it can be something eradicated from both you and I. So the four R's are this, resist, rejoice, return, refocus. First, let's start with resist. Resist comparing what you have or don't have to others. Resist comparing what you have or don't have to others. I think the king of creating comparison is Apple or iPhone more specifically. Think about it. When iPhones first came out, it was just iPhone. For the first couple years, it was just called iPhone. Even when a new one would come out, I don't really think it was branded with a certain number. But now iPhone brands all of their phones with a particular number. Think about it, it was like iPhone 5 and iPhone 6, iPhone 7, iPhone 7 Plus, iPhone like 7S. I, I mean, it's crazy. And now it's iPhone 10 and iPhone Pro Max and iPhone 11. And I'm probably missing a bunch of titles and names. But basically, they put numbers with the iPhone now so that you can compare whatever phone you have with whatever one you don't have, either for the better or for worse. And iPhone and any other retailer, they follow a very similar model and they do this intentionally. They want you to long for more. Just as you get the newest model or the newest style, they put something new out for you to compare what you have to. I got an iPhone 11 at the end of June, which prior to the iPhone 11, I had an iPhone 8, I think it was. So I'd gone several years without getting an updated phone. And just as I had gotten the iPhone 11 at the end of June, they began to announce that soon iPhone 12 would be coming out. And just a few months later, the 12 did make its debut. And as soon as I saw it and as soon as it hit the shelves, I thought to myself, If only I had waited a few more months, then I would have had a better phone. And as I was meditating on this and kind of getting frustrated with myself, I had another epiphany that I thought, what do you mean? The 11 is far more than what I actually need. And when I compare the 11 and the 12, it's like comparing, I don't know, (laughs) two of the same things, like salt with sea salt. Like they both serve the same purpose. One is just a little bit different than the other. Both taste just as good on mashed potatoes, by the way. Anyways, iPhone 11, iPhone 12, I started to think to myself, I need more. I started to compare my belongings with something else that I wanted. And again, what I had was brand new and perfectly fine. And I think this is something that we experience on a much larger scale in our everyday lives is that what we have is good, but we compare it to things that we don't have or things that we want. And if I can encourage you to overcome materialism, you must resist comparing what you have to others, whether that's a car or a relationship or a certain job, do not compare what you have or don't have with other people. 
And in the show notes, I'm going to plug two episodes that my friend Janelle and I wrote together. And that is a two-part series called It's No Personal Loss When Others Thrive. It talks about this idea of comparison and not competing with other people. So go check that out in the show notes. It's No Personal Loss When Others Thrive. So first R, resist. Resist comparing what you have or don't have to others. Number two R, rejoice. Rejoice in what you do have. Rejoice in what you do have. Whether you make $20,000 a year or $120,000 a year, you have something. You have stuff. If you're listening to this podcast in any kind of way, whether it's on your own personal device or you're at like a library, you have something that you can be thankful for. Rejoice in what you do have. Contentment is not a natural trait to us human beings. Contentment is something that must be learned. And you and I both have to learn it. Neither you or I are born with contentment. How do you produce contentment? Simply by rejoicing and practicing gratitude for what you already have. So take an inventory each day, each week. What am I thankful for? I've been going through this prayer book. It, it's been totally revolutionary for my life. And part of it, it gives you a space where you quote a scripture about thanksgiving to God. And then it says, now open thanksgiving prayer. And it's been really challenging me to name off every single day, morning and night, people and things that I'm thankful for. And it's beginning to churn a greater desire for contentment and even the practice of contentment in my life. Rejoice in what you do have. Take inventory of what you have and really begin to thank God or begin to understand what a gift each thing you have is. Rejoice in what you do have. Third R, return. Return what you have to God and to others. One of the greatest ways to fight materialism is to return what you have to God and to others. To give to God and to give to others. So my family and I, we practice tithing, which is giving 10% of your income to the local church. And we also practice giving to missions each week. And for us, that is a huge way to say, you know what? Our income, it is not about us. God has given us our income, these resources, to bless other people, to spread the good news of Jesus. That is the purpose of this income. It's not to make our lives more comfortable or to buy more things. Instead, it is to to help cultivate joy and grace and peace and truth in our world. And whether or not you're a part of a local church, you can also give or return what you have through giving to a nonprofit. Whether that is your local food bank or some kind of women's shelter or children's shelter or a group home, there are so many ways to give your financial money and also give through other avenues like donating clothes or canned food so that you may understand what you have, your possessions, your resources. It does not own you. You can freely give it away. 
I think about recently my church did Angel Tree where we partnered with uh, the Department of Child Services to give 100 kids in the foster care system Christmas gifts. That was so practical. And that doesn't just happen at Christmas time. Foster care agencies, they're always looking for ways to partner with community individuals. I can think of friends of mine here in the Indianapolis area that have ministries where they gather supplies for uh, people who have um, need for hygiene supplies and basic food supplies. That, that is an easy way to return what you have. Return what you have to God and to others. And the fourth R which is so important, is refocus on permanent values. Realize that all of your possessions are temporary. At the end of our lives, we will be buried in an outfit and with maybe a few sentimental things. But our house, our car, our things, they will not be going with us. Eventually, everything in my home, everything in your home, will probably at some point end up at a thrift store or in a landfill. You're like, oh, well, what about like my heirlooms? Well, at some point, it is a material possession. It is going to come to an end. Being a pastor in a local church for quite some time, I've heard many excuses that, you know, I can't get involved in a church ministry or I can't serve in my community or volunteer with the Parks and Recreation Department or serve at the local 5K. I just have too much going on. I've, I've got a lot going on with work. I've got to make a living. And friend, if there's one thing I would love for both you and I to hold on to and truly understand is that that we would never confuse making a living with making a life. Making a life is so much more important than making a living or making a certain kind of lifestyle. What you live for is so much more important than what you live on. Dr. James Dobson puts it this way, I will consider my earthly existence to have been wasted unless I can recall a loving family, consistent investment in the lives of people, and an earnest attempt to serve God who made me. I consider my earthly existence to have been wasted unless I recall a loving family, consistent investment in the lives of people, and an earnest attempt to serve God who made me. Focus on permanent values, the things that will outlive you, the things that will outlive me. Investing in people, that will outlive me. Loving my family and my friends well, that will outlive me. Loving and serving God, that will outlive me. My possessions, they will not outlive me. They will vanish They will tarnish, they will eventually break, or they will go out of style. Refocus on permanent values. To escape materialism, to live a life where we are not possessed by our possessions, we can carry out these four R's. Resist, rejoice, return, and refocus. 
Resist comparing what you have or don't have to others. Rejoice in what you do have. Return what you have to God and to others. And lastly, refocus on permanent values. Friend, I want you and I to both be different than the culture and the world around us. I want to us to be people that we freely give what we have, that we are people that live in contentment, people who aren't fighting for more, people who are investing our finances and our resources in other people, not to create more material possessions in our life or more physical comfort. I want us to be people that focuses on and values spiritual things, things that will outlast us, outlive us more than the physical things, more than the material things or the comfort. I want you and I to be people that so intentionally when it comes to contentment and to being generous and not comparing ourselves to others, that in the days to come, we reap abundantly joy and peace, and an ease that we don't have to live like the rest of the world, that we don't have to be consumed by consuming, possessed by our possessions, or owned by the things that we own. Friend, I want you to know that I am always in your corner and cheering you on and really walking shoulder to shoulder with you when it comes to choosing to so intentionally when it comes to contentment, when it comes to walking away from materialism and living a life that is generous and intentional and at ease and at peace and not consumed with consuming. Can't wait to talk to you next week.